Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of Mav Podcast. I am Jason. And I am John. And we are here to talk about hockey. We are. I don't want to. <laughs> oh, John, those are those are pretty poor games. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, everybody had talked, not just us, about how they really needed to get a sweep at Miami. And when you make that proclamation, you're thinking to yourself, it's Miami. Going into this series, Miami had four wins on the season. You know, <sighs> so you're thinking we've got a pretty good chance on the road to get a road sweep against a conference opponent that's struggled all season long, has struggled the past several years. And ultimately, we were concerned because Friday nights have not been our night. And certainly going into this one, we were hopeful that things would turn around. So, so just looking at that game early on, what were your thoughts? I felt pretty good with the way we started. I liked that we got the power play goal to start things off and we got the early lead. And I thought, you know, that that would, that would help. But in typical UNO fashion, we find a way to, you know, just give it right back to them. And that worried me some you know, until the second period, right? Like the second, that first half of the second period. So really like the first half of that game, I was like, you know, there's some concerns. We're not playing great, but we're playing well enough that we should be able to win this. And at that point in time, we were up three to one. Yeah, we were at that point, midway through the second period, we were up three to one. And I was feeling pretty good, quite honestly, at that point. You're thinking we've got a two-goal lead on Miami on the road. We're a talented team. And then Miami uh, Miami answers with two power play goals to tie the game up. And we're going into the third. It's a brand new game. It's 0-0. I'm hopeful that the third period will be ours. I think we gave them seven power plays in the in the game and they scored on I mean they were almost I think they were almost 50 percent on the power play like it killed us and it killed us at the end you know just when you're trying to make that push trying to get that you know get back in it and, and I mean when you're down two, like the last thing you can do is take a penalty and Jack Randall does that and it's like it's just you're dead in the water at that point in time because your best hope is to get an opportunity and pull your goalie just so that you're even strength. And we yeah. haven't been playing great even strength. So it's like, it just poor decisions, poor execution. You know, I don't know what it is with Fridays, but as a whole, like they just, it's just not great. Um, it's just not a great effort by the guys. And, and it was just sad because it really felt like the first Friday in a long time that we had a chance at this. Yeah, we had three power play goals. They had three power play goals. It's really interesting that we gave up that many power play goals to a team that has, has had its struggles scoring. Considering that we, you know, you look at last season, we had one of the best penalty kill units in the nation. Um, and we basically have our entire team back this season from last season. So it, it was just bizarre, and, and you know you could point to a lot of reasons for that happening, but it was frustrating. It was frustrating to get that loss, but then we're going into Saturday night. So 34 seconds into the game, Miami gets a goal, and I, uh, 
I, I will be honest with you at that point, I wasn't sure what will happen. We got a power play goal. Starting the game, you mentioned, you know, less than a minute in they they're up one, nothing. And you come out of the, the locker room in the second and you give up a goal in the first couple of minutes. And it's like, you're already down one. You just dug your hole, you know, a little bit deeper. The guys know kind of where they stand. You know, they're probably holding their sticks a little bit tighter than normal. I don't know. I think Miami really had us off our game this weekend. We didn't play the kind of hockey that we've seen Omaha play uh, in the past. And particularly five on five, we just couldn't seem to really generate a ton of, of good quality scoring. Like there's always some in there, but we needed consistent pressure. And it seemed like we'd go through stretches where we just struggled to, to really put that pressure on. You know, and Saturday night's game, our power play just didn't perform the way, you know, we needed it to. Like, 25% is pretty good, right? But against the Miami club where they are, like, you really should be clicking at 30 to 40%. You know, and in Saturday's game, one or two, you know, one more power play goal would have been huge for us in there because it probably would have been – you know, us, meaning us in the lead or us tying them, you know, at a critical juncture in the game. But they just couldn't, they couldn't find those power play goals the way that they were finding them on Friday the way that we found them this season. Yeah, and, and it is interesting to note that uh, all of Miami's goals uh, came at even strength. So we end up losing this game four to two. And at that point, I think we're all like, well, this is, I guess it's not just Friday now. It's uh, it's Saturday too that we're having our struggles, and it, it's a really it's really been an interesting thing. Through 13 losses this season, the Mavs are currently 17 and 13 as we record this. We've given up 55 goals, and uh, so in those losses, we give up an average of a little over four goals per game, and and um, that's not been indicative of how I think the coaches want this team to play the kind of team that they want us to be. That's a lot of goals to give up to Miami in a weekend. And I don't know, you know, we talked at the beginning of the season that this team was going to have to rely pretty heavily on Isaiah Seville and the defense. And if they struggled, we were going to struggle. Right. And that our greatest, I think both of us agreed that our greatest concern coming into this, this season was where are goals going to come from? Um, you know, at that time we had our top line and we talked about this in the last podcast about that top line can produce, but if teams are able to kind of key up on them and say, Hey, all we have to do is shut down those three guys, those three forwards, every team in this league has a shutdown line. They can shut down one line, right? So you have to have that depth and we just haven't, haven't been able to find that depth anywhere in this lineup with with moving guys around and trying guys at different different positions and different roles uh, you know the focus just hasn't been there and when you get sucked into playing someone else's game I know coaches talked about this in some of the postgame pressers like we have to play our game you not get sucked into what they're wanting to do and I think this weekend, probably more so than any of the other ones, especially for the whole weekend, I felt like we played more of Miami hockey than we did of UNO hockey. Yeah, and, and part of that stems from the fact it's hard for me to figure out what this team's identity is. You know, you look at teams in college hockey and in our conference, you know, for example, when you watch Western Michigan over the last 10 years, it doesn't matter who's on that roster, there is a certain style of 
kind of gritty, tough, rough hockey that they play, you know what they're going to do. The issue with us is that I, I don't really know what our identity is. Are we a, are we a run and gun team that's, uh, you know, that's going to get into a shootout with opponents every week? Are we a, you know, lock it down defensive team that's going to work from the net out to shut our opponents down? As you mentioned in this Miami series, it felt like they dictated play. And there have been a number of series this season where I felt like our opponents have dictated the tone and dictated the pace of the game. And so that's my question is, what is this team's identity? What are they trying to be? I'm sure that they know. It's just hard for me to ascertain that. And I think that's a, you know, important thing for, for the team to recognize and for coaches to kind of relay and is you might know what your, the team may know what their goal, you know, what their goals are, what they are as an identity, would you say, like uh, how they're going to play the game, right? If the fan base, you know, if if pundits out there, if announcers and things like, if it can't be recognized on the ice, then you're probably not doing it right. And I think that's the thing is, is like, show us what your identity is. Like, show us the type of hockey that, that you want. And this goes back to, you know, what we talked in the shootout segment, which is access to coaching staff. You know, this is the kind of thing that like, it'd be, it would be nice to hear from coach. You know, our goal is to do this. This is the type of team we want to be. I know he said on radio shows about like, we want to play, be a team that's competitive and hard to play against and stuff, but like, that's not an identity. Like, how are you going to do that? There's plenty of teams for different reasons that are difficult to play against. You know, you can look to the NHL and say, you know, there's different ways to win hockey games. And that's the reason why, you know, a team has it really easy against this team, but struggles against that team is just because one team's just better at playing their hockey and their hockey just frustrates you more, right? Yeah. So it'd be nice to know where, you know, where he sees the program go. You know, where do these guys want to be? We're losing a lot of seniors this year. A lot of key component seniors, and that's assuming no one leaves early. And you've got to assume that at some point in time, if you're a good program, you're losing kids sophomore, junior year. Right. Like if you hold on to all of your kids four years, I'm willing to bet like not knowing anything about your program, your program didn't win very much. Because most guys, if they can get a payday, they're going to take the jump. If you've got an opportunity to jump to the next level, you I don't know very many people who would say don't take it. Right. So if they're sticking around for four years, that means they never had the opportunity to make that jump. And that's always something that we worry about as fans this time of year because we see players, you know, the minute the season is over, we hear about them going to play for some team in the ECHL like the, you know, that has a name like the, you know, Tuscaloosa Thunder Chickens or something like that. And uh, we see them bouncing around uh, teams like that for the next few seasons. Looking at our players of the weekend on a very difficult weekend against Miami, who did you like this weekend, Jason? It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to pick a player of the weekend when you have a sweep. Say the player that I noticed the most, and, and I, like you said, it's, it's difficult to really single out any one guy because no one really had two quality outings and efforts out there. Uh, but Brandon McManus really stood out to me. Uh, he was in the play, hard on the puck. I liked his game. Uh, he gets rewarded with a power play goal, which is always nice to see. Uh, but he was, the, he was the one that I thought 
probably had the best weekend it seemed. Yeah, I think you're right on uh, on him having the best weekend. You know, he's been the player who's probably been the most consistent the last month, month and a half, uh, as far as this team goes. And so, uh, no, I think that's a that's a great pick. If I gotten to pick first, I probably would have picked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, on the weekend, yeah, uh, a good performance by him. And again, he's been a really solid addition. We got him through the transfer portal from Minnesota. Uh, he's been playing uh, college hockey for a long time. So uh, he's really been helpful for us uh, in the scoring department. So he's a good one. I'm going to go with a guy that we haven't picked for a long, long time, who's one of our most steady and consistent players over the last four and a half seasons. And that will be. Um, Kevin Conley, even though we lost four to two on Saturday night, which was certainly not the outcome we were looking for or expecting to see. Um, he got a goal and an assist on Saturday nights. And honestly, I thought he was probably the best player on the ice for you. know, it was good to see him uh, have some success this weekend. Um, despite the fact that the weekend didn't go the way we wanted it to turning to our shootout segment. Jason and I are going to revisit a topic that we talked about earlier in the season. We don't really want to revisit this, but we haven't had a home game in forever. And normally our best shootout topics come from our experience at Baxter Arena. So our shootout segments this week is about streaming again. In particular, on Saturday night, at the beginning of the third period, the stream of the UNO Miami game went out on NCHC TV. It was gone. It came back a few minutes later, but I couldn't get it to load on the NCHC app on my Apple TV. I don't think you guys could either. No. And so the NCHC tweeted out a link, but if you don't happen to be on Twitter, you wouldn't have seen it. So I did click the link. I was logged into my NCHC account on Safari on the iPad. So I ended up airplaying the broadcast to the TV and it was fine the rest of the way. But I did have to pull out one of my old analog radios to tune in the game for a few minutes, which was kind of funny because we got some uh, interesting DMs uh, asking if we listened to, uh, you know, Jack Benny or, you know, George Burns and Gracie Allen on that old radio. I will give an update from our previous segment where people were talking about having trouble streaming the radio broadcast. People uh, said that the varsity, the Learfield varsity app worked really, really well to listen to the game. The sound quality was great. They enjoyed it. So that's an option if you're listening to the radio, but Jason and I want to watch video of the game. Did you guys end up tuning the game back in or at that point where you just like, forget it. I give up. No, we didn't. You know, I went through a, I went through a whole process of, you know, forced closing the app on the TV and restarting the TV and trying a different TV and trying my phone and trying a different iPad and forced closing those things and restarting those things. I went through a whole rigmarole. And honestly, a lot of it is because I've contacted um, Learfield, NCHC, whoever does the, the backend support for the, the app in the past. And it's some of the worst customer service I've, I've ever had to deal with. Like, they tell me to do the exact same things that I just told them I did. And then they're like, well, maybe it'll work next time for you. It's like, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe I'll pay you next time. How about that? Like, it's just, it's annoying because I have no problems 
paying for things that I find value in and I find value in this stuff. And so like, you know, make it right. This isn't complicated stuff. Like if you screw up and something happens, something outside of your control, you, you offer something, you make it up to the people that are there supporting you. And it's just, it's frustrating. I think what's frustrating the most for me is that there are plenty of other places out there that do the exact same thing and they've got a better quality. They have a more reliable feed, an easier thing to navigate. Like we're watching Olympics right now and I bought a month of the Peacock thing because I'm like, all right, five bucks one month, you know, watch some Olympic stuff. No big deal, right? Like that's, that's an easy thing to kind of, you know, just say, hey, this is what I want. Like I did it in the app in a matter of seconds. And for the most part, like I haven't had any problems. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of a, a buffering issue where the video quality isn't great, but at least it's playing and it catches up to itself within a couple minutes and I'm fine. And it's quality feed stuff. And it's like, I watched some of the feeds on NCHC. I'm like, this is just a junk feed. Like it's not, it's not good quality video. And I'm like, everyone else has figured this out. Are you just too cheap to throw money at this? And then, so where's my money going? Or I think that the NCHC could do better. Yeah, I, I agree with you that they could do better. I will tell you, I watch a number of college hockey games on ESPN Plus, which we have talked mm-hmm. about on this podcast before and uh the ECAC their games are on ESPN plus and I will tell you the video quality is superb in those games and you know you don't have to worry about buffering you don't have to worry about games going out they're solid and that's the thing when you watch NCHC and we've got a fast connection I I watch you know 4k content regularly like you, I watch NHL games on ESPN+. Plus. The one thing that I'll say is that a lot of these games, even if the video quality and the production value is decent, like out of a St. Cloud State, you know, you'll still deal with, you know, little kind of like jumpy motion blur and things like that. And these, you know, Apple TV units that we're watching on, you and I have both have 4K Apple TV units. They've got a very powerful processor in them. They should be able to handle that. But the problem is it's kind of a junk in, junk out type of a situation. And, you know, several years ago when they introduced it, it was great to have something to watch, but they really need to try and find a way. And I don't know what's going to happen right now. The commissioner of the NCHC is Josh Fetton, who last fall, it was announced that he was taking the job as the commissioner of the Summit League. There are a lot of... uh, There are a lot of theories out there that he's eventually going to try and maybe somehow merge the two since a number of the NCHC teams uh, play their non-hockey sports in the Summit League and they're both Division I conferences. But I will tell you a number of the Summit League games are on ESPN+, Plus. in particular some of the Midco broadcasts of the Dakota schools. And again, those basketball broadcasts are beautiful. I was watching uh, UNO. I can't remember where they were playing, but I was watching them within the last week on one of those broadcasts, and it's gorgeous. And they need to find a way to, to make it better. I'm sure if they go with ESPN+, Plus, there's some revenue-sharing deal that might not be as advantageous to them, them, but ultimately it's about giving your fans the best product. Because if you're the best conference... In college hockey, you really should have the best streaming product, Jason. 
Yeah, and it's an investment. Like the fact that there's really been nothing that's changed since they started with the nchc.tv stuff. Like these are the same issues that I dealt with when we first bought it. Nothing's changed. I, I still have the same issues. Some weeks are better than others. You know, some of the feeds are better than others. I I hate this. I don't know what it was with Miami this week, but I, it was better on on Friday when it was national broadcast than it was on Saturday. And it's like your white balance is off. So the the ice is just this like glowing bright whiteness and you can't read anything on the, you know, you can't read any of the players. It's hard to track the puck because the ice is so bright. Like those are simple things that you know as well as I do as being a photographer of like how you adjust and deal for that. And that should be something that you should invest in if, if someone's going to do that. Uh, the other thing that drives us, we laugh about it because it's kind of funny, but it shows like the quality of the product, right? That the intermission hits and we don't get anything. Like they just show a feed of the, the arena and some of them will play, you know, I don't know, whoever's on the radio or something like that. Obviously North Dakota has their broadcast. So you get a really good intermission product there. But some of these literally, it's just, it's 20 minutes of just staring at the Zambonis going around and around and around. Like, or, or they'll go to a commercial break and their mics will still be on. So you're listening to the commercial and the guy's talking about who knows what. And I'm thinking that's going to bite them in the ass sometime when someone says something they shouldn't say because they thought their mic was off and no one can hear it. And I'm like, that's, those are the kinds of things that like invest in it. And that's what you get. Like ESPN would not say like, oh yeah, we'll just, you know, take your broadcast and feed it over. Like, no, they would never give their clientele the low quality production content that we're getting, right? So maybe that's it. Maybe they just look at it saying, look, we don't want to go national. We don't want to, you know, partner with CBS Sports or partner with uh, ESPN to, you know, nationally broadcast you know, and, and access a greater market because it means we'd have to invest in, each school would have to invest in, you know, something, color analysts, play-by-plays for that or you know bring our radio guys over to do uh tv as well and they don't want to do that you know we use students to run all of our video stuff so we don't want to have to you know train them to be good at their job or you know go get professionals to do this stuff like whatever it may be it's just you know it's sad and it's, it's it just doesn't show well in the conference you know we talk about it being such a good conference right like, if i watched this and I wasn't, I didn't know anything about the NCHC. Like it, it doesn't seem like the product is what is, is to the same level as the, the teams that are out on the ice, the quality of the teams that are on the ice. In years past, Nebraska public television has produced um, broadcasts of some of the UNO home games. And those have aired on our PBS affiliate. And I think you, there was also a link that you could stream for those. And the quality was fantastic. The quality was excellent on those games. We haven't done those in recent years. And I, I'm i not quite sure the whole pecking order because I know that UNO has a TV production studio there. And I know that there was an effort that they were trying to do called the Maverick Digital Network a few years ago that Trev wanted to do and was excited about. But 
but the the you know broadcast department needed more money in order to produce the games. But we know that they have the equipment and they have the facilities to do uh, intermission reports and things like that during these hockey games. But for whatever reason, there's just kind of been a disconnect. And I again, I, I wonder if it comes back to money because everybody wants to get their uh, their piece of the pie. Hopefully things will get better and hopefully Jason and I don't have to talk about this. Certainly we don't have to talk about it the next few weeks because it's going to be home games and, and we'll be there for those fingers crossed that maybe something will improve next season. So turning to the St. Cloud State series, Jason and I are excited to have a talk about our next series. We've got a a really tough slate coming up. We've got St. Cloud State coming in. It's the first of three series, as I mentioned. We've got St. Cloud State, Denver, and then we end the season with North Dakota. That Denver series ended up being rescheduled because of COVID. So we get our final three series at home, a good opportunity for the boys to come out and, uh, and kind of turn things around and make a statement. Right now, we're 22nd in the pairwise. I didn't bother to look at any of the numbers this week. I don't know what this will mean for us, but uh, but it's an opportunity for redemption after the Friday night struggles and getting swept at Miami. St. Cloud's going to be a tough team, but two of their players, Nick Perbix and Sam Henches, as well as their head coach, are uh, over in China for the Olympics right now. So that'll create a different dynamic but they came off a good series at home against Western Michigan. They uh, they tied five to five in overtime on Friday, and then Saturday they won four to one. So they're always a tough draw for us, and this is going to be a tough series. But UNO has a great opportunity. What do you think looking at this series, Jason? It's better that we're at home for sure, uh, and I think that at this point in time, the guys need to just look at this as as preparing for the NCHC tournament, right? Um, yep. You know, realistically, if we're going to make a, a NCAA berth, we're going to do it via the tournament route. So, you know, go out there, play loose, have fun, you know, skate hard. Uh, I will say I'm going to predict a split. I think we can find a way to beat them once at Baxter, probably Saturday, considering our, our woes on Friday nights. Uh, but it, it's going to come down to the guys, you know, hopefully just not packing it in. And I think, That'll be the the key for me as a fan is kind of see how they respond uh, to their performance at Miami and see if they're going to say, like, we've got a chance to still, you know, play spoiler and, you know, put out some upsets and and maybe make a tournament by winning the whole dang thing. Uh, Or they come out and they turn them on. They just say, you know, we didn't get what we wanted this year. We didn't didn't have the balances. We didn't have the luck. We didn't perform to, to where we expected. And so season's over let's just kind of pack it in and in a few weeks we can all start looking at where we're going next and that may be where their heads are at i'm hoping they'll come out perform this weekend in particular i'm looking at goaltending and defensive play because i think that that's really important this time of the year we look perennially at uno's struggles in late february early march and a lot of times it's defensive play because uh, as the season winds down it's harder to score goals as teams are jockeying for the ncaa tournament conference playoff positioning so Goaltending and defense is important, and we've got a couple of guys that the team needs to shut down. Uh, Their leading scorer, Kevin Fitzgerald, who seems like he's been there the last six years at this point. Uh, Great forward for them. Playing uh, against a a 
good, solid veteran goaltender like David Rennick, who also seems like he's been <laughs> a decade at this point, is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to put up goals on him. So the guys have to play tough. They have to be ready, and they've got to tighten the screws defensively and, uh, and uh, in net in order to get it done, and we'll see what happens. But like you, I think we should be able to pull out at least a win this weekend. We're 10-4 and four at home this season. I think the guys will be excited to be back in front of their home fans, and so uh, – so we'll just see how and it again, goes. People come out and support the team and they cheer them on and they, they make Baxter a loud place. You know, I think that go a long way in, in beefing up this team and getting behind them. So hopefully people uh, get out. Should be, you know, shouldn't have to worry about any blizzards or anything. So, you know, come on down to Baxter and it's, it's good hockey. Like we, we talk about their troubles and stuff, but honestly, this is a good team. They're playing really good hockey and this should be some, really good games this weekend yeah come out and give the guys an emotional lift uh they could use your support and again it's great hockey this time of year regardless of the outcome so uh so hopefully you do that and uh if you can't come out be sure to follow along on twitter visit mavpuck.com if you want to listen to back episodes of this podcast and until next time jason go mavs go mavs 